Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you, and I'm so glad that you're a part of our family. My son loves Lego. I mean, everything Lego. We've had the movies, the games, the posters, the sheets, the shirts. We've been to the amusement park and countless Lego stores. Like every city we've ever been in that has a Lego store, we've been there. One year, he asked everybody in our family just for money for his birthday because he wanted to go to the Lego store in the Mall of America. Between us, his grandparents, his aunties and uncles, his birthday party, he got a little over $500. So we were at the Lego store in the Mall of America the next day when it opened. And guys, you have never seen anyone spend $500 faster. I mean, five minutes, maybe? But we walked out of that mall with all the bags we could handle. (laughs) He was tripping. He's always loved Lego, as long as I can remember. It started with those giant plastic building blocks babies play with, then progressed to Duplo blocks, which introduced him to getting little figures or characters in the set. And as he got older, it progressed to the actual Lego sets. And we've had so many different kinds of sets, Batman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, Indiana Jones, Ninjago, Lego City, and of course, Star Wars. So many Star Wars sets. But one year, he got the holy grail of Lego sets. All year he worked and saved and was finally able to buy the Lego Death Star, 3,803 pieces. It took us days to put that thing together. And it starts out easy with the big foundational pieces, but the further we went in the process, the more difficult it got. The pieces, they got smaller and more intricate. There were stickers and little gears and pulleys. It got complex, got complicated. But when it was finally finished, It was a work of art, a masterpiece. So much so that it's still on display in his room because things we've built make beautiful displays, don't they? I wanna talk about that today in part four of our series, Becoming Jesus People. Let's pray. God, we love you, we're grateful to you. Thank you for who you are, what you do. Thank you for my friends on the other side of this screen, God. I thank you for their lives and for their love. I thank you for their families and for their faith. God, I pray that these words would become life, that they would come off the page, off the screen, and deposit themselves in our hearts, and that when we're done with this, we'd be less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Things we've made make beautiful displays. And it doesn't matter if they're beautiful or not when they were built by someone you love. They don't have to be perfect. Just ask anyone whose kiddo has made them an ashtray in art class or built them a birdhouse in woodshop. 
the imperfections are actually reminders of the love it was made or built with. That's what I think about when I read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, this beautiful process that progressively builds upon itself piece by piece, step by step. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You know, fruit is significant in the scriptures. Sin entered the world when Eve and Adam ate the wrong one. The children of Israel, they were required to bring the first fruits of everything they produced. Jesus was the first fruit given for our sins. Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit. He said, any tree that doesn't produce fruit should be thrown into the fire, that any branch that doesn't produce fruit, that should be cut off so that one that does produce fruit can grow back in its place. And of course, the great apostle Paul, he talks here about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and he's saying, a life that's healthy produces this fruit. And the apostle Peter, he seemingly echoes Paul's sentiment when he says, do your best to improve your faith by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others and love. If you do these things, you will never stumble. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Singular, but progressive, building upon itself. And it starts out easy with the big foundational pieces, but the farther you go in the process, the more difficult it becomes. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we build a life that's beautiful? Well, it, it naturally all starts with love. Creation started with love. We were created by love, through love, and for love because God is love. And the love that Paul's talking about here, it's an agape love, a love that has affectionate regard, goodwill, and benevolence. So, so if I love and if I'm benevolent to others, I want to do good to them and do good for them. So Paul is saying love means more than having warm, happy feelings toward people. Because let's be honest. There's some people you're never going to have warm and fuzzies about. <laughs> but agape, it says, I carry through with good works toward those people anyway. Which makes the words of James chapter 2 make way more sense when he says faith without works is dead. And it advances me to the next step. If I love people and if I do good to them and for them, it'll produce joy. You know, the Bible talks a lot about joy. In fact, it says the joy of the Lord it's our strength. I mean, isn't it true when you're living without joy, it saps you of your strength. You feel weak. Joy brings strength. And the joy that Paul's talking about here is hara. It means rejoicing, gladness. And, and the Jews, they would have recognized it as a joy that only comes through being in connection with the Holy Spirit. And the antonym of hara is actually distress. So it seems as if Paul's saying, being stressed out is the opposite of joy. That when we allow ourselves to live in stress, I mean, we all experience stress, but when we allow ourselves to live in stress or to be stressed out, we are living a fruitless life. I mean, we know that stress doesn't produce fruit, which is why the Proverbs say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. When you submit yourself to hara, the joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit, it chases stress and it brings us peace. 
Hmm, who couldn't use a little peace? And the peace Paul's talking about here is erene. It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. It means wholeness, soundness, health, well-being and prosperity. But more importantly, the Jewish people would have understood that the presence of shalom, the presence of peace is equal to the absence of confusion. And so when you're living your life in confusion, you don't have peace. And so you have to pursue the peace. When you're confused, when you have a decision to make, when you don't know which direction to go, you tap into the fruit that's already within you and you pursue the peace. It's what Paul was saying when he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you don't have to depend on your own understanding, when, when your heart and mind are being guarded, protected, you won't be anxious about anything. But instead, you'll have patience. Ah, mm, patience. Yes, it, it is a virtue, but attaining it, it's like, it's, it's like trying to catch the wind in your hand. It's, it's the one thing when I first became a Jesus follower, I was told not to pray for if I didn't want to be attacked. But to Paul, it wasn't, it wasn't just silently waiting like some of us think. It, it was macrotomeo, practicing self-restraint before proceeding to action. It's the quality of a person who's able to avenge himself but refrains from doing so. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And it's not a general word. It's a specific word. And this is what I mean by that. It relates to being patient with people as opposed to being patient in frustrating circumstances. It requires us to show mercy to others regardless of their, of their actions, which means we don't get to wring our hands and throw people away because they don't agree with us, because they believe differently than us, because they vote differently than us, because they have a different ideology than us. It means judge not, lest you be judged. Be patient. Show kindness or Christos, uh, a grace that encompasses a person's entire nature, mellowing anything that might be harsh. It's like sanding rough wood to remove the splinters. It's like not looking at the splinter in your neighbor's eye because you're understanding that you've got a whole forest in your own. The word literally means be useful. <laughs> it's saying God has no use for people who aren't kind. But once you've gone through that sanding process and you've allowed the splinters to be removed, you'll be able to step into goodness. Agathos, actively doing good deeds. It's not enough to think about, talk about, or intend to do good deeds. They have to be accomplished. Like, hmm, how many good deeds have I thought about doing but never followed through on? How, how many good things have I thought about people but never said them because I didn't want to risk rejection? That's not goodness. I mean, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's why the golden rule says, do unto others as you'd have them do Unto you, true biblical goodness follows through. It puts yourself out there, which requires faithfulness, pistos, 
a firm persuasion and total conviction in the truth. And not just the truth, little truths, those thoughts that you have about people, trusting the fact that you are called, trusting the fact that you are chosen, trusting the fact that when you speak life over somebody, it's not going to come back and harm you, hurt you, bite you, trusting the fact that when you do good things for people, it's not going to backfire on you. It's totally trusting in the truth. It's acronym is confusion and disbelief. In other words, confusion or unbelief are the opposite of biblical faith. If, if you don't believe in God or believe in yourself, you literally aren't bearing fruit. And so Paul is saying, we firmly believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he'll deliver you through your current struggles, just like he's always delivered you through your struggles. And if you look back on the struggles and the trials in your life, you will realize that there has never been a time that he has never left you. He has never forsaken you. He has never let you down. You'll realize that God, the one who began a good work in you, won't stop before that work is complete. And that type of faithfulness, it delivers us into the hands of gentleness, praotes. That doesn't turn you into a Precious Moments doll that's soft and smooth. It doesn't convert you from a Jason Statham movie into a Hallmark movie. It's actually not even an outward expression of feeling. It's an inward grace of your soul, a calmness toward God in particular. It accepts how God deals with us, trusts that it's for our good, and believes that it'll enhance the closeness of our relationship with Him. But to live in that, it requires probably the most difficult one, which is why it's at the end of the list. It requires some self-control. Inkratia, contentedness, sufficiency, trusting that God has given you everything you need for the situation that you're in. Guys, I don't know what your situation is, but whatever it is, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and his glory. The, the fact that you live your life right now like you're, you're not going to make it, like you can't control your circumstances. You have to live your life in this understanding that God's got you right in the palm of his hand. And this trait, this portion of the fruit, it's in direct opposition to excess or self-indulgence because God's not going to give you more than you need very often. And sometimes he's not going to give you even what you need until the very moment that you need it. And sometimes you'll feel like you're going to struggle and you're going to fight to even grab hold of the things that you need and that they're never going to happen. And how many times in your life have you gotten to the place where literally in the 11th hour, God came through? It literally means this, not allowing your emotions to run away from you. Mm. How hard is that when it feels like the world is falling in? around you. How hard has that been for the last year and a half with the world in the condition that it's in, with relationships in the condition that they're in, with the financial struggles and the relational struggles and the health struggles that so many people have had? How do you maintain your emotions in the midst of all your pain? How do you live like this? It's, it's actually simple. It's not easy. It's like salvation. Here's how you do it. You immerse yourself in God's spirit and you let him produce his fruit.
the fruit of the Spirit, which is this, showing God's will toward others, submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit's process of chasing away stress and eliminating confusion and anxiety so you can refrain from taking revenge even when you can. It's showing mercy for others while you have the splinters sanded from your spirit. It's showing good deeds and doing unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's firmly believing God is who he says he is and will do what he says he'll do. It's living in an inner grace that trusts God, knows what he's doing even when you don't and not letting your emotions run away from you. Hmm. Wouldn't that be a beautiful way to live? Wouldn't that be beautiful if that's how your neighbors lived, if that's how your spouse lived, if that's how your kids lived? It's possible. I mean, it won't be easy. It won't always look pretty and it won't always be perfect. But in the end, it'll be a masterpiece. You will be a masterpiece worthy to be put on display because things that are built make beautiful displays when they were built by someone we love. So I wonder, does your life look like that today? If not, will you let Jesus start the building process? I hope so, because it'll certainly get you closer to becoming a Jesus person. Would you close your eyes? Your salvation is essentially submitting yourself to Jesus' building process. It's it's like renovating a home or a building where you have to dismantle things before you can remodel them. And salvation is this beautiful relationship between you and Jesus where you allow him to dismantle the things that you've built so that he can take new materials and he can remodel and rebuild your life into the way that it was always intended to be. And it's a, a simple process, but a difficult one. I mean, it's simple to start the process. You, you just admit that you're a sinner and acknowledge that he can save you and we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. But then once you've done that, you begin this beautiful journey that's sometimes difficult, that's sometimes arduous, that's sometimes painful, but it's always worth it. And so, if you're watching this today and you say, Sean, I need to be rebuilt. I need to submit myself to Jesus' building process called salvation. I'm gonna pray a few lines in a prayer and then I'm gonna pause and if you repeat the words that I just prayed and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved and the building will begin. And so will you say this, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you transform me? Will you dismantle the things that I've built and rebuild them the way you always intended them to be? Would you come into my life to change me, make me different? Make me new, be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, please do me this favor and reach out to us. Let us know that you did. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. We couldn't be more excited. It's literally the reason why we do what we do. And so would you reach out to us and let us know that you made that decision, that you're our, our new brother or our new sister so that we can reach out to you and help you in this journey away from where you are toward where Jesus wants you to be. But you know, for those who are watching this and you say, Sean, I've begun the process. I, I have begun that dismantling. I have given my life to the Lord. I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. But for some of you, you're missing some steps and I've been there. You know, the interesting thing 
Whether you're building a Lego set or you're building a Jesus life, is you can't skip steps. Because when you get to the end, you realize you're gonna have to go back and you're gonna undo some things. And so I wonder if as you listen to that list from Paul, you would say, I went through and maybe I skipped some steps and you'd like me to pray that you can go back and you can start that process where it needed to be. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. So if that's you, I wanna pray for you, God, for my friends who are watching this, who, God, they're trying and you're so proud of all of the efforts that they're making, but God, in the process, they got to a step and it was too hard or they missed a piece somewhere and suddenly things aren't working out the way that they wanted them to, the way that they thought they would. And so, God, I pray that you would painlessly disassemble the things that they put together wrong. You take them back to the step that they need to be and help them move forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.